What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how you can think about pricing your seller financing offers and how you should think about seller financing in general as it relates to uh, making seller financing offers to sellers. Uh, And this is a really hot topic right now, uh, especially in the buy and hold real estate world. A lot of folks right now are trying to, uh, you know, buy deals with seller financing in terms of that being a component of the deal, given the fact that rates have risen quite significantly, as we all know, over the last uh, six to nine months. And it's getting harder and harder to pencil deals out because sellers haven't really come off their pricing. And this is a very general statement, right? A very broad statement to describe the state of the multifamily real estate business right now. Um, Sellers want their early 2022 pricing, you know, their late 2021 pricing. They haven't really adjusted to the elevated interest rate environment. You know, why would they sell? They have a low rate on their mortgage right now. What are they going to go do with the money, et cetera, et cetera. Less transactions. It's just harder to do deals right now. That is a fact. It's backed by data. And um, and we're seeing in our business, right? So we've personally been making tons of seller financed offers recently. Typically, when we speak with a seller, we'll make an offer that is, um, you know, just if they were to walk away from the closing table with with cash, so to speak, and then we'd make offers, assuming the seller has enough equity to entertain and seller financing offer, we'll make an offer with seller financing as a component. And the goal here is that maybe we can offer a little bit more if seller financing is a component of the offer. And, you know, maybe that gets us closer to the seller's number and they decide, you know, hey, I actually don't need the money today. Maybe I can take it in three, four, five years. And, and this is a deal that makes sense for me, right? Just another, just gives us another chance to, to arrive at a, at a price that makes sense for the seller. So the natural question is how do you actually price your offers, right? How do you price your normal, um, you know, free and clear offer, right? Where you're just, you're buying it with your loan seller just walks away. There's no holdback or anything like that versus offers that have a seller financing component. And a lot of people don't know how to do this. They don't know how to think about the difference between the two. And they just make arbitrary offers, right? There's just some just some vague difference that they assign where they're like, you know, hey, I'll pay a million with it, it, it just as my regular offer, and then I'll do a million seventy-five with seller financing, right? And they're not there's not a lot of thought behind it. Um, and this is a question that I've gotten from many investors as well. So I think this will hit home to a lot of folks out there that are trying to think about how to do this in their business. So How do we actually price our seller financing offers, especially as it relates to the comparison between what we would offer if there was no seller financing component? And there's really two main differences here. And then I'm going to get into a third that kind of has an asterisk next to it. But the first thing is, what is the difference in the actual interest that we're paying? Um, The interest on the loan that we're paying with a mortgage from a bank or a credit union or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or the mortgage that the seller is holding back, the note that the seller is holding back. So let me just use a very simplistic example. So let's say you're offering a million dollars for a property, um, or let's say you know for round numbers, the loan balance that you that you would that you would get if you were buying a property. Let's say maybe you're paying like a million two five. You're trying to get a you know a loan of you know call it 75, 80% loan to value. I don't know something in that range, right? You're looking for a million dollar loan balance to make the the, the numbers round. And a bank is going to quote you at 6%. Maybe that's a little bit low for the market today. But, you know, hey, maybe you get a bank that's willing to do 6%. So that means you have to pay $60,000 a year in interest payments, right? So your interest expense annually is $60,000. Now let's say you want to pitch the seller, um, you know, an offer where 
they hold back a million dollars at closing. They, they basically extend a mortgage of a million dollars. And the term that you want to negotiate is, or the rate that you want to negotiate is 4%. So if you had 4% as a rate on that million dollar mortgage, you would be paying $40,000 a year in interest payments. So what's the difference there? It's 20 grand, right? So now we can start to arrive at some actual monetary difference between these two scenarios, the core offer and the seller finance offer. Now, the next question beyond that is, how long do you think you're going to be in this loan, right? Sometimes you buy a property that's deeply, deep, deeply discounted and your plan is to add some value and, you know, sell it or refinance it. Um, and, you know, right now, I don't think that people should be modeling in market growth into their model. They should actually be modeling in some market decline right now because that's what the market's probably going to do over the next 12 months. I think anybody in this game is, you know, relatively agrees on that fact that, it's unlikely that pricing will remain at the level it is right now in 12 months time. I don't really know any educated real estate investor that thinks that. So how, you know, are you going to, are you going to refine? How long are you going to hold it? Like what's, what's that component of the business plan looks like or look like? So that's when you start to multiply your interest savings over that first year, um, over the years that you think you're going to be in that loan for. So if the, if the plan was to flip it in a year and you're buying it at some insanely discounted price and no matter what happens in the market, you still think you're going to flip it. Okay. So maybe there's a $20,000 difference in what you can pay right now. And I'm going to you know get to the other piece of this in a second too. But let's say you think, yeah, you know, this is going to be a longer project. We we're going to have to hold it for, you know, two years minimum, probably three years, you know, maybe two and a half is kind of a, an accurate guess as to how long we're going to be in this loan or how long we're going to hold the property, or at least in, you know, what we, that's how long we want to hold it for now. So you take that $20,000 in interest savings, you multiply it by two and a half, you get to $50,000, right? So now you're starting to arrive at some monetary difference in terms of how much am I actually saving with the seller financing this deal? Now, that's not the total picture, right? There's some other uh, things that we need to think about here. So the second component of this is, what is the savings from an out-of-pocket loan standpoint, right? Out-of-pocket loan costs, lending fees standpoint. So depending on who the lender is, you know, if you're going to work with a local bank or a local credit union, typically you're going to have you know 1.5% of your loan amount in fees. And that's assuming that you're not using a loan broker. If you are using a loan broker, maybe that's closer to two, two and a half two and a quarter, something around there. Obviously, it depends on the lender, depends on the term sheet. Some lenders, you know, are going to charge half a point at closing. Some will charge one. Some will charge 0.25. Like, you know, so there's a whole, there's variance here, but it's important to understand that that is a component of this, right? And both your, the lending fees, but also the out-of-pocket, out of, excuse me, third-party reports that you need to pay for out-of-pocket, right? Maybe you have to do an appraisal. Maybe you need to do some kind of environmental testing, you, you know, you might have to do some, some other, you know, uh, out of, or excuse me, third-party reports um, if you're working with a bank, maybe a survey. And a lot of that stuff you should do anyways. You know, I think that's just prudent due diligence. So I want to make sure that that is mentioned as well. Um, oftentimes, the fact that a bank makes you do that actually helps you find some things that you otherwise wouldn't have found if you didn't do those reports on your own or didn't elect to pay for those reports on your own. So that goes without being said, but let's assume that those reports are going to find anything that you don't already know. Well, you might be saving some amount of money here as well. So on a million dollar loan, let's call it, you know, 1.5% in loan closing costs. And that includes your out of pockets, you know, expenses for third party reports. Well, that's 15 grand in savings that you would, that you would experience if you went with the seller financed offer um, or if the seller held a note, right? So 
let's pretend again that we're probably going to hold this for two and a half years before we either refi or sell. So we have $50,000 in interest savings. We have $15,000 in out-of-pocket savings by working with the seller as, as the lender. So we have sixty-five grand in actual savings um, in terms of working with the seller. Now, again, you can negotiate that interest rate down and then maybe pay a little bit more. Maybe you, maybe you negotiate that interest rate up and it's closer to what a bank would earn. And then you're really just saving the out-of-pocket and there's not that big of a difference between your normal offer and that one. Any number of things that you could do here, any number of structures you can use, but this is just a way to think about the difference between the two and for you to just do some simple modeling. Now, what I didn't mention is a lot of folks get into deals because there is seller financing and they otherwise wouldn't have been able to do that deal if seller financing wasn't a part of that deal. You know, this could be people that don't have access to a lot of cash, people that aren't credit worthy with a bank, right? Maybe they're, maybe they're in their early twenties, right? They haven't done a deal yet. They don't have the track record. They don't have the balance sheet to qualify for a million dollar loan. Um, you know, and, uh, and again, there's a lot of reasons to use seller financing outside of the cost savings, right? Because it may be the difference between doing a deal and not doing a deal, especially for folks that are new to the game. And, you know, for example, maybe you can negotiate a hundred percent seller financing, right? Um, you better make sure you're buying a deal under market value so that you're not leveraging yourself to the hilt and putting yourself in a tricky spot. But, you know, again, there's just all kinds of different ways to look at this. And I think it's just, just thinking through it just very simply from an analytical standpoint is going to help you understand how to price offers, right? How to price an offer with some seller financing um, and how to price an offer that's just, you're going to go to a bank, you're going to get a loan and it's going to be very straightforward. So um, interesting, you know, concept for you to play around with. Um, you know, I think the real value in terms of when you're starting to, you know, when you're able to truly pay more, from a seller financing standpoint is typically when you're really getting that rate down to like two, three, you know, 4%, right? And there's starting to become a gap of at least three to 4% between what you get at market from a traditional lender versus what the seller is giving you. That's when you're really starting to create some margin there. And that's when you can actually start to offer the seller a meaningful amount more um, in terms of the difference between a normal offer and a seller financed offer. So this is something that we're really thinking about in our business on a day-to-day -day basis right now when we're making offers. So it's you know very top of mind. Um, but I hope this was helpful for those out there that haven't made a lot of seller financing offers or don't really know how to make them. And um, if you learned something in this episode, please leave the podcast a rating and review. Helps the show get noticed by more folks. And um, if you want to do even better than that, maybe text this episode or email this episode to somebody in your network that you think would find some value. Uh, make you look good, bring them some value, and then selfishly bring me some value, right? Because we get we get more people listening to the podcast. But uh, but any events, I hope you enjoyed this, and I will see you guys next week.